0: Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 115, Air to Space. I'm Gary Jordan. I'll be your host today. If you're new to the show, we bring in the experts to talk about all different parts of human spaceflight. Longtime listeners of this show know that human spaceflight takes a lot of collaboration. Collaboration within NASA, with other space agencies, with commercial businesses, and even other parts of the U.S. government for day-to-day space operations. In the case of the International Space Station, NASA works with the Department of Defense Space Surveillance Network to track objects larger than 10 centimeters in low Earth orbit, many of which is orbital debris, knowing where these objects are part of keeping the space station in a safe orbit, as well as the uh, global positioning system, the GPS satellites that uh, actually help to navigate the space station. This is just one or a few elements of what the Department of Defense does in space and how the relationship works with NASA. Today we have very special guests uh, to hone in on this one branch of the military, the Air Force. The Air Force and NASA have a very special relationship. A lot of astronauts come from the Air Force, among other things, so we're going to break that down. Today we sit down with General Stephen W. Wilson and Colonel Nick Heg. General Wilson is the Vice Chief of Staff for the U.S. Air Force. If you're unfamiliar with the hierarchy of military branches, that's really far up there. In this position, he assists the chief of staff with organizing, training, and equipping 685,000 active-duty guard, reserve, and civilian forces serving in the U.S. and overseas. We also sit down with Nick Haig, U.S. Air Force colonel and NASA astronaut, who landed from his 203-day stay aboard the International Space Station very recently, this October 2019. The two go into detail on the roles and responsibilities of the U.S. Air Force, how the Air Force and NASA work together, and the future in space for the Air Force, NASA, and even the future of the Space Force. So here we go. The Air Force and NASA with General Stephen Wilson and Colonel Nick Haig. Enjoy.
1: T-minus five seconds and counting. Mark. To the
0: right. Here she goes. Houston, we have a podcast General Wilson and Colonel Haig thank you so much for coming on Houston we have a podcast today it's
2: great to be here, Gary. Yeah, Thanks. Pleasure.
0: First, uh, actually, Colonel Haig, I'd like to say welcome back to Earth. It was not too long that you were in space for 203 days. How was, uh, how was adjusting back to Earth?
1: Uh, the the readaptation is uh, fast. Uh, oh, wow. It, you know, ten, 10 days and I feel almost normal again. Uh, the first couple days were pretty shaky, just trying to get good balance and figuring out what gravity is about again. And, uh, but uh, it's been nice to be home, absolutely.
0: Wonderful. Well, it's, it's good to have you home. And General Wilson, it's good to have you here. This is why we have the two of you here, Air Force and NASA together. Let's get right into it. General Wilson, if you can go over a, a bit of your responsibilities as Vice Chief of Staff for the Air Force, what you do there?
2: Yeah, so my job is to help our chief in three major roles. My chief uh, organize, trains, and equip 685,000 airmen who span the globe. Uh, So I call that as just an institutional chief. Uh, All the services have the same. So the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force, uh, Marines have the same thing. He's also an international air chief. So he uh, meets with all of his partners there to make sure we've got the right allies and partners around the globe and that we interoperable amongst our our forces. And then he's a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to provide the best military advice to the chairman of the SECTF as they advise the senior leadership of our nation. So he wears those three hats, and I help represent him in doing those duties.
0: It's a great responsibility that you have there. That's a lot of people. Six hundred eighty-five thousand airmen, I believe. Yeah. yeah so we're,
2: we're a big company. Yeah. <laughs> so so take company a big company like IBM. You know, we're about seven times the size of IBM. Just oh, to put wow. it in in scape and uh, size.
0: So what does that mean to organize, train, and equip? What does that mean exactly?
2: Yeah. So you know, today, right now, we have to make sure all of our forces are ready. Right, um, so we uh, we woke up as a nation and thought differently on September 10th than we did on September 12th, 2001, and so we got to be ready. And so, uh, making sure our forces are trained to do the jobs that we ask them to do. And right now, we I'd say we defend the homeland. We own the high ground of air and space, and we have to be able to project combat power forward anywhere across the globe both global reach and global power. So that's what we do as an an Air Force in just broad terms. But we also have to build the force of the future. So as we uh, keep some parts of our Air Force, all of our Air Force ready, we also have to look at what does the force of the future look like, look at the threat, look at our strategy, look at our force design, and how do we build that force. And so we spend a lot of time on modernizing the force for the future that we need to have.
0: Okay. So what are you doing in Houston this week?
2: Then? Well, it's a great outreach. Right? we got a great partnership with a big city, the fourth largest city in the country and coming here, A, to get out of the Pentagon <laughs> and to meet some, some of our amazing airmen like Nick here who uh, have this great partnership with this a wonderful place called NASA that we've been having the uh, United States Air Force in partnership with NASA since 1959.
0: That's right. It's, it is a great relationship. And I actually wanted to go deeper into both of your stories just to kind of get some more context and background on, on how this relationship comes and what it takes to be a part of these two organizations. Starting with you, General Wilson, I know uh, you were commissioned from Texas A&M University in 1981, and you've had a lot of different positions in
2: your <laughs> A lot of different sides. My <laughs> wife and I have talked. We've moved 21 times. Wow. Lived all over the United States. Uh, all over, uh, overseas, too, so we've had lots of uh, amazing jobs. Uh, I did go to school right up the road. There's a little college there at College Station at Texas A&M University. That's right. So uh, gig them out there. I hope there's not too many <laughs> Longhorn fans here on, the, on your podcast. Um, but we, we, you know, is, is, that's kind of what I- expected is expected as the Air Force. You're going to move around a bunch. Um, you know, We talk about a value proposition when you join our Air Force. And you get to work with amazing people and amazing technology and to do amazing things to help protect our nation.
0: Mm -hmm. And so most people would say they
2: join our Air Force because of the cool stuff, the technology, but they really stay because of the people.
0: That's right. Now you've you've stuck with the Air Force, and, and you've and you've risen through the ranks. And it sounds like it's because of your your passion for the job. Is that part of the reason why? Yeah, why you Yeah, I would it? say
2: the passion for the people. Passion you, for the people. Yeah, because you get to meet these people from all you know all across our country, and you go, where do we keep finding them? They're just so simply amazing. Uh, every day you meet somebody, you go, man, I just I'm glad they're on our team. I'm glad they're helping us. Um, we often you know we have these core values in the Air Force, and we talk about integrity. First, service before self, excellence, and all you can do. I go, but you meet these these people that we didn't have to teach them that they learned that around the dining room tables at their homes, uh, and they're they're really uh, they're so dedicated and inspired and passionate about helping and making a difference, and you we get the opportunity to, to uh, serve with them, so that's that's a, that's a really fun part of our job.
0: I know, you, and and Colonel Hoy, you can probably you can. Um speak to this, is is I believe that uh, idea of teamwork and, and working with people is, a, is very much a part of NASA as well. I think it's it's just a good quality to have all around, to be able to work with others and appreciate others.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You you know, you look at, if I look back at my experiences in the Air Force and then I look at my time here at NASA, you can see the parallels in the workforce and its approach, the, the commitment to the mission. Uh, you know, obviously the missions are different. Um, but the you just the passion that everybody approaches their job with every day. Um, you know, the whether it's in the Air Force or whether it's here at NASA, we're doing really difficult things, and we do them routinely. Uh, we do really dangerous things, and we do them safely, um, and we do that because we work together as a team. And so. Uh, Teamwork is the lifeblood of either organization. It's really all about the people.
0: Now you've been a part of both, so tell me about your career progression going from the Air Force now to NASA.
1: Yeah, so you know I get that question a lot. You know, How, how did you end up where you're at? A lot of people are interested. And uh, I couldn't tell you how it happened other <laughs> than I was given a lot of amazing opportunities in the Air Force uh, that gave me the background and the experience that I could bring to NASA and add to the team here. Uh, you know, that started out as an acquisitions officer. So I was working in a lab, running a program, uh, managing a spreadsheet, and some of my you know, PhDs that worked for me uh, you know, were much brighter than I was. And you know, from there, getting involved with, with flight tests and, and being able to teach at the academy or getting exposure in Washington, D.C. and seeing how these complex organizations work and get things done. Um, those were all opportunities uh, that you know I may not have actually been looking for them but the Air Force presented them to me and and they were amazing Mm -hmm. Um, and you know that gave me the background to really figure out who I was and what my passion was. Uh, I enjoy working with really technical complicated things uh, but something that I enjoy more is doing that in a you know in a team under a pressure situation and and there's you know NASA, if you want to do that, that's it's a place where you can find that exact challenge.
0: Very much so. Now, this is just one career path. Now, General Wilson, I know there's a lot of different areas that you can explore in the Air Force. Um, just in general, a lot of different skills and backgrounds that are a part of this giant team.
2: Yeah, you, you name it. We, we probably have it uh, in our Air Force, everything from... Uh, public affairs officers and finance officers and communicators and maintainers and aviators and intel officers and special warfare airmen i mean you you name it we probably have it in our air force
0: that's amazing yeah. so so Let's get into the nitty gritty. I like to do this as part of the pod- podcast is get really into the details. We talked about organizing training and equipping the Air Force. What are What, what is a typical day like for you, General Wilson, leading these teams and overseeing all of this? Maybe you what, don't do have th- a typical day. I don't have, there's no such thing as a typical day. It's, uh,
2: I, I laugh because it's many days my schedule will change multiple times during mm-hmm. the day. Um, I would say I spend a lot of time in the Pentagon and, and we spend uh, time with my counterparts and the other services and we talk through um, What's our strategy going forward? Have we have we got the right? We're all uh, fighting for resources. Do I got the right resources? And not only do I have the right resources, are we spending them in the right ways? Uh, we, we're stewards of American taxpayer money, and we want to get make sure we get the best bang for the buck out of everything we spend. Uh, so that uh, as we look to the future, are we designing the right force with the right equipment? And again, I'll tell you, we're spending a lot of time on the most important weapon system we have in the United States Air Force. Cool. Our people. There you go. Right? Yeah. And so <laughs> the what, what are we doing to, to make sure that they've got the right education, the right training, the right experience? They're confident and proud of what they do and personally and professionally fulfilled. Right. And, and if we do that, we have mission success. We have people that are, that are enjoy what they're doing and enjoy being a part of an amazing team that Nick just talked about. One of the things we don't talk enough about, uh, just because we have it here, is, you know, and Nick's wife is also in the air force that's right and, and so our family members also serve lots of them and they we move our family and kids around a lot and they also uh serve an incredible uh, incredibly for for a nation and we don't ever thank them enough for all that they do helping support us along the way
0: i know you had a lot of moves with your family now i'm sure the air force accommodates that nick i'm, I'm sure you are encountering the same things moving around and and uh dealing with all of
1: the locations yeah you know we- Katie and I haven't moved 21 times, We've moved uh, <laughs> just under, under 10. Um, but we've, uh, you know, it's, it's been a challenge. Uh, but one of the things that makes it is one of the things that makes it the sacrifice worth it is that you understand what you're, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you, what are you, what are you really doing with your life? And, you know, for us, we've, we've made the decision that we wanted to be part of something bigger. We wanted to, to spend our lives helping others. And, and, and there's a know the Air Force is a great way to do that and it's given us so many opportunities together Um, it's been fun to uh, to just watch Katie you know thrive and and rise up in the ranks in the Air Force and and do what she does so so amazingly well and and so I feel fortunate to be able to be you know the spouse at times but then also the service member at times and Uh, It's uh, it's been a heck of a ride.
0: Yeah. Tell me more about the life in the Air Force and how that translates to NASA because you've you've been a part of both. What was it like being part of the Air Force and then taking those same values, those same skills over to NASA?
1: Yeah, it really translates really well. Uh, You know, we you know, I just got back from a long duration mission, right? That's right? So I was deployed for seven months, essentially, and and we've done deployments together before. Uh, you know, I've stayed back, and and she's deployed for a year to Iraq, or we've both you know deployed to the Middle East, and and so we've had those experiences, and I think that we learned. Uh, some essential skills in terms of resiliency uh, as a family and being able to to make sure that the family can thrive in that kind of situation and that, that when you come back you're you're very you're very sober about the challenges of reintegrating as a family and the things that you need to do over the short term and the long term to continue to have a, a healthy family and so all of those skills we picked up along the way you know through the service in the air force and that has been invaluable in terms of being here at NASA and being able to do what I've done
0: mm-hmm. Now, General Wilson, I know uh, earlier today you were at Space Center Houston, and mm-hmm. you gave a presentation. Next to you were a lot of different people. We talked about disciplines across the Air Force. We, you had a flight surgeon. You had a couple of people yeah, that were. We had, we had engineers, flight surgeons,
2: rescue uh, pilot, and then two astronauts. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's kind of a microcosm of our, our Air Force, right? These, yeah. These, uh, they do lots of different things in it.
0: That's right. So uh, I'm sure. You know, you've you've had a chance even even throughout the day to talk with some of the airmen, some of the NASA astronauts that are also part of the Air Force. So, can you tell me about the qualities um, and of of the Air Force yeah. and and what yeah. what the Air Force is doing to help provide you know like just like Nick here, um, Air Force airmen into NASA astronauts. Yeah. So as you
2: see, every one of those who are sitting on the panel are pretty exceptional, right? Very so much so. So here's a here's a payload engineer who's designing satellites that are going to help. Uh, uh, move forward in terms of uh, uh, health and medicine on his uh, some of his experiments, right? Then you have a, a flight surgeon who's there to make sure the whole team stays as healthy as they can be. And what are the what are the things that I need to be looking at for long duration spaceflight? Um, w- but I would say that's a, a microcosm of our force,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? So we we've, we've got some really incredible people. Um, they're really passionate about service. They're passionate about making a difference. Um, and and they see this great relationship. They, so they have it in the Air Force, and they look at a place like NASA and say, I can make a difference there too. And so they, they may have an assignment or two here at NASA, and they may come back to the Air Force. You know, it's uh, but that's a microcosm of what we got going on all over.
0: Yeah, just a, a broad range of skills. Um, there, there's a lot of interconnections with, with the Air Force and NASA. What, How are we working together to actually you know, we talk about the Air Force. We're, we're we're managing space. There's a lot of different directives and goals of the Air Force. Where do those cross over with the? Well, let's
2: just take. So you know, the, we're talking to astronauts, but we do. A, we're in the launch business, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we do lots of things in launch. But whether it be your uh, tracking, whether it be operations, whether it be uh, maintain uh, maintaining the satellites, or whether you're going to do a recovery of the of the satellite of the astronauts, right? Air, your Air Force is involved in all of those. Mm-hmm. You know, and most people. Let's just take space right? and there's a lot of discussion going on in space and we would take there most of the world doesn't realize that how dependent not only our national security is our certainly our US economy and all the scientific research and endeavor that happens because of space uh, that today that you know this little constellation of thing GPS and how dependent we are as a nation from the financial system to to every atm machine to to cash registers around the country to all the uh uh, navigation and timing and positioning that happens because of gps and that's a global utility being run by the united states air force by honestly as today on crew there's a small number of people that run that global utility for billions of people wow Uh, that's what your Air Force does. Yeah. But, but so, yes, we have some astronauts here with NASA, but we're also, again, in the launch business, the, the tracking telemetry business, we're in the uh, communication business and recovery business.
0: And the people business. I love that mm-hmm. theme. The yeah, people. The, it's, it's, it's all about those people. Um, Nick, you, you going from the Air Force, um, you just mentioned you recently landed from mm-hmm. space. It's, it's fresh on your mind. What values from the Air Force did you take with you to space?
1: Yeah, you know, and I touched on the this the sense of being able to work together as a team, the, the sense that, you know, our accomplishments are our, our shared accomplishments and you know everything that we're doing, it's not just the six of us that are on board the space station, but it's the team of a hundred thousand people spread around the globe from, you know, countries across the globe that are making that magic happen. Um, that's, you know, that appreciation I think is probably the strongest thing that you, that I took with me from my time in the air force. And, you know, and sir, I, have you know, I'll, I'll, pile on a little bit. The, you know, human space exploration doesn't happen without what airmen bring to the, to the fight, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we're up there. We mentioned GPS. The, the space station flies through space and it determines its position and orientation based off GPS. Uh, you know, the, the search and rescue crews are going to be there to support when we start launching out of Florida here real soon. And that's going to be an exciting time. Uh, all of our, you know, supply cargo vehicles, uh, uh, you know, a lot of them are coming out of the U.S. And, and we're providing the range support for that. So airmen make the human exploration of space possible, and that's only going to be stronger uh, in terms of support that we're going to need to make Artemis happen, to get back to the moon in five years, and then to continue to push on to Mars. Uh, so this relationship, uh, it's, you know, it's a very, um, you know, you see it as, I see it as kind of this symbiotic relationship. You know, we... We help each other. You know, you, I grew up in the Air Force, and now I'm working in NASA. Yeah. Um, and 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 you have the ability to go back and forth, and it's it's just a, it's just a really special relationship that we have.
2: Yeah, it goes back to 1959. So we've been we've been partnering with NASA since 1959.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's it's very much interwoven. And it takes a partnership. We see it all the time. We talk about our international partners, but there's domestic partners, mm-hmm. too. And, and the Air Force is a big part of, like you said, continuous space operations as mm-hmm. a big part of it. Now, now you, you did make that transition. Can you tell me about the application process from going from the Air Force to NASA?
1: Um, so I guess the first piece of advice is if you don't get selected try try again yeah um, so it took me three applications and a decade of applying in order to get accepted um, uh, it's it's one of those things where you don't you don't grow up you know with the the end goal the only goal the sole goal the passion is to become an astronaut mm-hmm you grow up having a passion to do something else. And then in the, in pursuing that you realize that, Hey, you know, I'd also like, you know, I've got this childhood dream or I've got this dream of becoming an astronaut. Everybody that gets selected to be an astronaut has had a career doing something else before, and they've done it successfully. And, and the reason that they're successful is those careers are based on this passion that they have. So, uh, when people are looking at, you know, how do, how do I do that job one day? the the key to how do you do the astronaut job one day is that you find that passion that you have and you just pursue it relentlessly and and then as you pursue that you're going to do the best that you can possibly do and that'll make your chances for being selected to to fly in space or to make it to space someday the highest they possibly can be Mm because they're infinitesimally small but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't Stop dreaming about it and start. Stop working hard to try to make it happen.
0: That's true. That that passion, maybe is for the job, but maybe maybe it's for the work itself as well. It's it's for it's for doing the best that you can do wherever you're doing your yeah. job. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: You know, we talk about that being kind of the key to success for anybody, right? Mm-hmm. To be excellent at whatever we ask you to do. Yeah. To be the leader wherever you are, because there's always more work and uh, to do. And you find those young leaders who take the initiative to make every place better. And then I say the third piece is to be ready because we don't know what's going to happen, and uh, we need to be ready for opportunity when it strikes. Are we ready to? be prepared for uh, that that unforeseen event
0: i think ready for the future too i think a large reason why you're here is is we're thinking about that next generation we're mm-hmm. thinking about you know who's who's going to be coming on board next and, and we want to prepare them we want to make mm-hmm. sure that they're ready um what is the future of the air force and and of nasa really what, what are we looking forward to here
2: well let's talk a little bit about space because we're here in the middle of the world space right you can just see the excitement that's happening really all around the kitchen tables across America of this, where are we going with space and the importance of space. And, and every place I go, I, I get people that, that are excited about this opportunity and where you say, the sky's the limit, I go, there is no limit. Look, I, I kind of feel like we've, we've gone back, you know, about a hundred years. Right in the early 1910s, 1920s, as air power was just coming on board, people, you know, didn't realize what it would do. That who knew that we'd be able to fly airplanes really around the globe and the, the the spots and the speeds that we have, have? And now I think people are looking at that same thing for space. Mm-hmm. Right? We did it 50 years ago. Right? We had uh, President Kennedy on May 25th, 61, say, we're going to go to the moon and back. Right? And we're going to get there within a decade. And in 1969, we did. And along the way, 36 launches between the Mercury, Gemini, Apollo programs. Some spectacular successes. We also had some setbacks and failures, but we, we were relentless as a nation to get there. And I think there's that same excitement now where people see this possibility of where we're going in space. And, you know, you hear about con- uh, companies putting up thousands of satellites and constellations, you know, in a global internet and the different sensors around the globe and how we'll do that. And, and it, uh, to the moon and mars uh, programs and i think there's just a lot of excitement about this potential uh, that's that's continuing to open up right now before us
0: that's right so where are the opportunities what are we looking forward to what kinds of jobs experiences people are we looking for to get involved in space in the air force yes all of that <laughs> 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 right because
2: right? I, I, I really i think we don't know yet right but i, I think just as nick kind of talked about it, you look at there's a couple people on the international space station but there's a you know a hundred thousand that support them i'd say the same thing's true uh, across here right that i'm going to need people that understand how to work budgets i want to need people that know how to tell the story i'm going to need people that know how to design new satellites new sensors i need people who understand how to do architectures and connect them i'm gonna need all of that yes um but i, I you know the space you know we, what we say in the military is if we lose space we lose hmm. right it's that important yeah. as, as as a joint force we are totally reliant on space uh, and, and the potential there
0: that's right there's a lot of potential i remember even during the panel uh there was there was someone i, I think it was the engineer who was doing experiments on the space station uh, we're looking at those next possibilities i don't know mm-hmm. if you actually worked on any of those uh nick or or, or i mean just in experiments in general is a big part of your job up in space
1: yeah i mean the mission of the space station is science and a lot of what we're doing up there uh, is is trying to just answer questions about so that we know more about ourselves and our, the universe around us um, but it was it was fun to see the influx of experiments that were tech demonstrations that were proving out systems that we were trying to down select for to get back to the moon and, and and figure out how we're going to to develop the technology we need for the Artemis program uh, it's it's one of those things and, and I'll just circle back you know to the you know who are we looking for mm-hmm. you know so i'm an example of of you know the transition from the air force and so i'd like to put a plug out there for you know all the airmen that are interested in space you don't have to be a test pilot to become an astronaut and we're looking for people that are passionate and and have been successful and and really have the drive to contribute to what we're going to do and so you know as we look for the the you know eventually the the next class that's going to join us or the people that we're going to end up sending to the moon or to Mars if you're out there and 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 you've you're interested i can't think of a more exciting time to be a part of this than right now with everything that's going on
0: Yeah, General Olson. It sounds like you're saying the same thing. This is just an exciting time, and with that breadth of experiences, what the theme that I'm getting from both of you is really just it doesn't matter if you're focusing on anything in particular. Just whatever is the most passionate thing, whatever you can really dive yourself into, that's what really you should focus on. And there are opportunities.
2: There's some amazing opportunities, and I think we we don't even. I can't explain what they are because I don't know what they are. But I just. (laughs) I see what this. I see what the potential could be and I see where we're growing as not only in our air force and the space world uh, but, you know, the, we've stood up a new combatant command for space, so General Raymond is now the 11th combatant commander for the uh, U.S. combatant commander mm-hmm. at U.S. Space Command. And the President has put forward legislation that uh, put forward a proposal to have a sixth branch of the armed forces the U.S. Space Force. Mm-hmm. And that's now being uh, talked about in Congress, and we're hoping that'll come out here in this National Defense Authorization Act to be released this year, but we're working hard with Congress for this new sixth branch of the military, the U.S. Space Force.
0: Wow. This is uh, definitely an exciting time, and it seems like a time where there are abundant opportunities. General Wilson and Colonel Haig, thank you so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast today and talking about the Air Force, space, and all of the opportunities we have in the near future. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. Direction. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Never used to. welcome to space. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Really enjoyed this conversation with General Wilson and Colonel Haig today. Uh, it was one of many conversations that we have with uh, people outside of NASA. You can check out some of the other things we've done on nasa.gov slash podcast. You can find our podcast there, as well as the many other podcasts that are out uh, for any topic that you really want to dive into. Planetary science, uh, I know On a Mission just recently started their second series. You should go check them out. That's all nasa.gov slash podcast. Uh, Nick Haig is on social media, on Twitter. You can follow him at, at Astro Hague. Otherwise, you can see what's going on in the International Space Station right now at nasa.gov ISS. You can follow us on social media. We're on the International Space Station. The Houston We Have a Podcast is part of the NASA Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea for the show or a question. Just make sure to mention it's for Houston We Have a Podcast. This episode was recorded on October 16th, 2019. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Pat Ryan, Norm Moran, Belinda Polito, Greg Wiseman, and special thanks to Colonel Katie Haig for helping to put this all together. And thanks again to General Wilson and Colonel Haig for coming on the show. We'll be back next week.